Kreusser, welcome to Recovery Now Radio, which is brought to you in conjunction with Adveriad Recovery and Living Room Cardiff. Adveriad Recovery is a registered charity offering specialist support to those with co-occurring substance misuse and mental health conditions. Living Room Cardiff provides ongoing support and aftercare as a community-based recovery centre that has an all-addictions approach, including gambling, alcohol, drugs, both prescribed and illicit, sex, eating disorders, gaming, etc., or any other harmful behaviour. We welcome anyone who needs confidential support in taking those first important steps towards change and recovery. Family members and friends are also catered for. For further details, please see the Adveriad Recovery website, www.adveriad.org.uk and www.livingroom-cardiff.com. Diochen Thank you so much. Welcome to Recovery Now Radio. Let's recover together. Persecution, you must be. Win and lose, you've got to get your share. Got your mind set on a dream. You can get it, the hardest may seem now. Recovery Now Radio, coming to you from the living room and our very ad. Welcome to Recovery Radio Now, coming to you from the living room and at Veriad. My name is Joe, and our guest today is Julie. Welcome, Julie. Hi there, Joe. Hi. Hi. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Shall we get straight in with a, a song of your choice first? Yeah, why not? Okay, You Never Can Tell by Chuck Berry. Cherry Red 53 And drove it down to Orleans To sell a 
celebrate the anniversary. It was there where Pierre was waiting to the lovely mademoiselle. C'est la vie, c'est the old folks. Go to show you never can tell. And that was You Never Can Tell by Chuck Berry. You're listening to Recovery Now Radio, and my name is Joe. And our first guest today is Julie. Julie, could you let me know why you chose that song? Yeah, well, it's it's been a song that really I've known for a long, long time, sort of grew up with it. And it always reminds me of, like, really happy times, you know. And um, I think most of the weddings that I've ever been to, somebody will always play it. And it's always been a bit of a song that I'd get up and have a bop with, especially with Colin. And, you know, he'd be John, John Travolta and I'd be, what's she called? Therma Uman? Uma Thurman? Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So it was a, you know, good bopping song. Can you tell us about your first experiences with alcohol and what effect did drinking have on you? Oh, gosh, right. Well, well, I, I grew up in a pub, so alcohol has always been very much part of my life from being born, really. So I was very used to seeing people drinking and I'd always associated having a drink with having a good time. So that's always sort of stuck with me through throughout my life, you know, and it wasn't it wasn't something strange to me, you know, to see people drinking constantly. It was it was something that I was very used to. So um, my first experience of drinking is very hard for me to know when it was because of being brought up in a pub. I was constantly around alcohol. So I think really as young as before five, really, because I know I used to get very involved at the end of the night. I'd go down to the bar and I'd help my mum clear up. You know, she'd be having a drink and somebody would probably give me like a little bit of port or a bit of lemonade or something like that. And, you know, that's that's really probably my first experiences at a very, very young age. And, and as a, uh, you know, it was not an unusual thing for me to see and be around people drinking constantly. Sure, yeah. I, I guess growing up in a pub would be quite exciting as a child, but um, obviously it led to different things down the road. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, it was. And um, and I think, I, I think I've always associated alcohol with having a good time because of the environment of the pub. Yeah. Julie, that was very... Very powerful, actually, what you talked about with regards to your first experiences living in a pub and um, being given some port as a young child. And that leads into your alcoholism. Your next song is Daydream Believer by the Monkees. Can you tell me why you've chosen that song? Yeah, well, when I hear this song, it always reminds me of being younger and, you know, having 
having dreams really you know sort of that that sense of hope and the future that's what the song really means to me yeah brilliant so I think it's time to have a listen don't you yes okay okie dokie Could hide neath the wings of the bluebird as she sings. The six o'clock alarm would never ring, but it rings and I rise, wipe the sleep out of my eyes. My shaven razor's cold and it stings. Now you know how happy I can be Oh, and our good time starts and ends Without dollar one to spend But how much, baby, do we Daydream Believer by the Monkeys. Welcome to Recovery Now Radio. I'm your presenter, Joe, and our guest speaker today is Julie. Okay, so Julie, we were discussing before about your experiences growing up in a pub as a child. Could you possibly tell me what circumstances in your childhood led you to believe that alcohol was your friend or, or, or a solace place to, to go to? Um, well, my childhood was was pretty normal up to being about five, five and a half. Um, I was very loved. I was very happy. My parents worked very hard. But when I was five, I was diagnosed with a, um, a hip condition and it's called Perthes disease. And I went overnight, literally, from being a child who walked with a slight limp to suddenly being told that I had to go on a frame and I was totally immobilised for the next two years. And at the time, I didn't really know what was going on. I think it was a very difficult time for my parents to see their very active daughter suddenly 
flat on her back, strapped down to an iron frame and not the only things that I could actually move were my head and my arms. So, yes, that was quite, quite difficult for everybody, really. I did spend about over six months in hospital, but I was very unhappy there and I was actually allowed to come home. But once I'd come home, I became really a bit of a burden or that's how I felt because I had to have constant care and I mean constant care I couldn't do anything for myself so as well as knowing that my parents were working very hard my dad worked away my mum ran the pub um, my dad would come back at weekends and he'd take over because it was busier at the weekends helping my mum my parents my, my grandparents moved in with us as well um, to, to help sort of with my care but my granddad was still working so Everybody around me was working very, very hard and but also having to look after me. And I think, you know, that was sort of one of the core beliefs that has stuck with me, that really I was a failure and I was a burden and and that I still really struggle with today. You know, I have done lots of work around it, but um, yeah, but I think that that's where that belief came from. That really does sound very challenging and difficult for you. Um, How old were you at the time? Well, I was I was five when I was diagnosed, but I actually got back to school when I was probably five, six, seven, about about nine. So it it was quite quite a long period, really. There was a lot of rehabilitation before I went back to school, and then I went back to school, and of course I was way behind everybody. I, I'd had no home tuition; there wasn't such a thing in those days, you know. So I could just about write my name. My, my parents didn't really have any time for educating me. So it was a really tough time, you know, trying to fit back into a system that I'd been absent from for a long time. And I had I had to wear calipers. I was bullied. Very unhappy, really. It was, you know, not yeah, a good time can, for me. I can imagine that that must have been really difficult for you. Well, we'll continue this um, conversation a little bit later on. Shall we have some more music? Yeah, that'd be good. The next song you've got on, the li- on your list is Cloud Busting by Kate Bush. Can you tell me why you chose that? Yeah, well, I, I suppose this is moving on a little bit. This this always reminds me of when I'd got the children, really. You know, it, it brings to mind when they were younger and, and I was at home a lot with them. And, and I'll probably talk about it a little bit more. But it was the first signs, really, that alcohol wasn't being good to me. You know, I was starting to suffer. No problem, Julie. We'll chat a little bit more about that later on. And now to Cloud Busting by Kate Bush. I still dream of organon. I wake up crying. You're making rain, and you're just in reach. When you in sleep escape me, you're like my. Yeah. 
Okay, and that was Cloud Busting by Kate Bush. And you're listening to Recovery Now Radio, and my name is Joe, and our guest speaker today is Julie. Julie, we were we were briefly talking about what that song meant to you. Could you elaborate a little more on that? Yeah, well, I, I suppose it was when I first started really feeling a little bit isolated. You know, I'd had Luke... I was 27, but up until then, I'd always been very busy. I'd, I'd, you know, got a good job. Colin was working, but he was like a junior doctor. So he was away, you know, they worked quite long hours and um, he was also doing exams again as well. So it was really a time where I started to feel really on my own. I think I'd, I'd, I'd got one baby. We moved to from Manchester to Sheffield so, you know, that was quite difficult for me. It was it was difficult to start with a, a, a young baby in a, in a strange place again and, and lose what connections I'd already built up, really. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah. So was there a time in your life when alcohol seemed manageable? Well, I think earlier on, certainly when I was working, you know, from leaving school, I got a job at 16 and... and you know, I was pretty party animal. Um, I'd met Colin by then as well. So, you know, we, we had a good social life, but we worked hard. Drinking was something that we did most days. My mum, my I was still living at home. By this time, I had actually realised that my mother was an alcoholic. But I was probably late teens, early 20s before I I actually realised she had a problem with alcohol. It was it was something that that now I, I I can see it from a very young stage that that she had a problem with alcohol. But at the time I didn't really notice it, which sounds really strange. But yeah, we we partied hard, you know. Colin went to university. He went to university in Manchester, so I still lived at home. But I would go and see him through the week, and of course, university life was all around drinking but it was social drinking you know it didn't stop me functioning I would get up for work the next day you know after a good night's party and and I was fine you know yeah it sounds very much like a work hard play hard scenario yeah definitely yeah 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 well your next song is called Road to Nowhere by Talking Heads can you tell me just briefly why you chose this one well, I think I wanted to play this song because I tried, until I got recovery properly, I'd tried several attempts at being sober and I never got anywhere. I didn't get anywhere at all. It didn't happen for me. And I think I just felt I was literally on a road to nowhere. So that, that's why that song resonates for me. Okay. I'm With sure that I'm not said... alone. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> That's okay. (laughs) And with that said, we'll have a little listen, shall we? Well, we know where we're going, but we don't know where we've been. And we know what we're knowing, but we can't say what we've seen. And we're not little children, and we know what we want. Give us time. 
And that was Road to Nowhere by Talking Heads, a belter of a song. Welcome back to Recovery Now Radio. My name is Joe, and Julia's still with us. So elaborating a little more on that song and what it meant for you, Julie, what time in your life do you remember that song coming from? Well, it was pretty much I'd realised that alcohol was a problem in my life. I was drinking a lot. I was still functioning. Um, I was still looking after the kids. I was still making tea. I was still doing the housework. I was, you know, doing everything that I should be doing. But I really was drinking now to hide feelings, to cover up how I was really feeling deep, deep down, I suppose. And my drinking was just escalating. I was, I was, you know, drinking through the day. I was getting less able to concentrate on everyday tasks. And uh, I did want help. I didn't really know what help I wanted. I wanted basically somebody to make me better, which obviously now I know would never happen. But at the time, that's, that's what I wanted. I, I, I went to see drug and alcohol uh, agencies. I, I was given a psychiatrist. I was given a psychologist. I did go to rehab for the first first visit where I had a month, which basically they just detoxed me there. And we had a few sort of group meetings. I, I reckon I lost about four days of my life in there. I can't remember anything for the first four days. And I just came, I, I didn't really do any work on myself at all. And I just came out and I was drinking within days of being home. And again, you know, that, that was that feeling then of failure. I'd, I'd failed. And, and then there was a real fear then that, you know, if I couldn't get well because of going to rehab, but, but that didn't work and I came out and drank, the fear grew and made me afraid of wanting to try again. So I just struggled on. I just carried on drinking again, dip, dipping in really to bits of recovery. You know, I did try anti-abuse, but I still I drank on that as well. And by you know by that time, it was it was all very exhausting. Yeah, it sounds like that that was the period of time when you knew that alcohol was finally in charge. Yeah, yeah, my my life was yeah. out of control really. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, but I still didn't think I was an alcoholic oh thank you Julie that was a uh, really powerful let's have a bit of music and um, we'll chat more about it later
You're listening to Recovery Now Radio, and that's a good choice.
gets the rest. Welcome back to Recovery Now Radio. My name is Joe, and our guest today is Julie. And the songs you've just listened to were Broken Stones by Paul Weller and Love is the Drug by Roxy Music. Could you tell me why you chose those songs, Julie, and what they mean to you? Yeah, well, well, they're sort of complete contrast, really, to, to what they mean to me. So um, Love is the Drug by Roxy Music takes me to a time where I was drinking, but I felt in control. So this was, you know, university time when I was working, socialising with friends, going to clubs, that kind of thing. So, so that that a good time really. And then the Paul Weller song um, takes me back really to a time where, you know, my drinking was really getting very much out of hand um, when we were in Australia and that feeling of isolation being so far away from everybody that was definitely a big trigger for me for my drinking to escalate big time so those yeah are, those are the meanings can you describe some of the consequences of your drinking gosh um well they cover lots of different aspects of my life I mean my health suffered and I I, I still have issues around the damage that I've done through drinking to my body but that is kind of in control now because you know I, I do have checkups and have scans and things like that but the effects on my family are massive you know I did a lot of damage how my marriage survived I have absolutely no idea I did some pretty awful things um, the boys too you know it affected their lives you know I wasn't present I think a lot of Simon's difficulties are because of, of my behaviour, my not, not being there for him. I mean, I was physically there, but I wasn't really mentally there for him at all. And, you know, I, I, I know they both suffered, um, but I'm, I'm very lucky. You know, I, I still now I, I have a great relationship with all my family because of recovery. Yeah, that sounds very pertinent. And um, 
very challenging indeed, but you seem to have come through that now. Um, your The next song you've chosen on your list is one of my favourites, actually, Walking on Broken Glass by Annie Lennox. What a song that is. Can you tell me why you chose that one? Well, it, it, it's easy, really, this one, because that's how I felt when I was drinking, that that's exactly what I was doing. It did feel like I was walking on broken glass every single day, every waking moment, you know, just trying to get through the day and just relying on on alcohol. Very poignant. Let's have a listen. Oh, 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 
You're listening to Recovery Now Radio. My name is Joe, and the guest speaker is Julie. And we've just listened to Walking on Broken Glass by Annie Lennox. Julie, we were talking about what the consequences of your drinking were just a few moments ago. What was the crisis that brought you into recovery? Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. It was it was a real rock bottom, and it it had been building up. I've become more and more unwell mentally, but but much more physically now. I was actually showing real signs of a chronic alcoholic. You know, um, my stomach was distended. I was going jaundice. I was in a pretty pretty dark place, as as well as being depressed. You know, my bedroom was was where I I, I would just want to stay. I, I had bottles all around me. It was it was pretty pretty awful awful time and I'd been unwell several times but you know carried on drinking it didn't didn't stop me uh I'd been told by the doctors that if I didn't stop drinking I would not live another six months but even that wasn't enough to to stop me and then I just I went to bed feeling awful I'd had you know I had been drinking that night I had been ill and then had another drink and then gone to sleep and then I woke up in the morning and I was just basically vomiting blood everywhere and it was it was pretty pretty awful Colin I just looked at his face he just you know grabbed a towel and wrapped it around me and hooked me in the car and we dashed to hospital I was like three four hours pretty touch and go um whether I would survive and basically I'd developed uh, varices of the esophagus and these had started to rupture because of my constant vomiting and drinking and they'd become inflamed and and you know the consequence of this was that they bled and but they can't physically stop the bleeding so it it really is time and you just it's a waiting game really to see if this if the bleeding stops so that's that's what we did and, and I lay there and my, my blood pressure was going through the floor. I could see Colin was absolutely terrified. They told the kids that they should come in. I really didn't want to see them or let them see me in that state. And I thought this, this is it, this is how I'm going to die. And I remember thinking, you know, I didn't mind dying. I, want, I was happy to die because I wanted it to stop. I wanted it to be over, but I didn't want to die like this. And luckily, the, the bleeding did did stop. I was very, very lucky. Very lucky. Yeah, it certainly sounds like you were escaped by the skin of your teeth there. Mm. It sounds absolutely terrifying, Julie. Mm. And um, not a place I would wish anyone to be in, really. Mm. With that said, let's take a break for a second. And the next song I'm going to play on your list is Play That Funky Music by Wild Cherry. Let's have a listen to that and I'll be back with you shortly, Julie.
And that was Play That Funky Music by Wild Cherry. You're still listening to Recovery Now Radio, coming to you from the living room and Adveriad. My name is Joe, and our guest today is Julie. Thank you, Julie. You've just explained to us what happened to you during your rock bottom and your hospital stay. And I'm sure that would have proved very inspirational to a great many listeners. Can you tell us what happened when you began to get well and what the sober you would say to the younger you if you got to meet each other? Okay, well, the road to getting well hasn't been smooth. I remember I was completely, totally fearful of not having a drink again. You know, alcohol had played such a vital role in my life. Um, It was my crutch for everything, really. So imagining that I could actually get through life, even in a moment by moment without alcohol, was, was really you know, just not on my radar at all. So, so I was, I was very, very scared, but I knew, I knew I had to do it. And, and this time I actually wanted to do it. And I think that was the big difference in, in, for my previous attempts at recovery. This time I actually wanted the recovery for myself, not for anybody else. It had to be for me. And I was very lucky on my way out of hospital. I was handed a leaflet or Colin was handed a leaflet and uh, it was details about the living room. So, you know, we we went home and we contacted them and it, it was an instant kind of, yes, sure, come on in, come and see somebody straight away. It wasn't, oh, well, you've got to wait two or three weeks, you know, to, to see somebody. It was an instant thing. And that made such a massive difference to me knowing I had like one day to wait and I could go and start getting well and yeah I I went in I I saw D and really it all took off from there it was the first time I felt somebody listened to me and wasn't going to judge me and it was such a relief to be surrounded by counsellors and people at the living room that were in recovery themselves. You know, I'd never experienced that. I'd always definitely seen recovery as a us and them kind of situation. So this was this was very new to me. I was very scared, but but I just I just knew I had to give it my best shot. And I was prepared really to do anything to get sober. I was broken. I, I didn't I couldn't do anything else other than surrender really and and just be ready to accept anything. And and that's that's where it all began you know I was I, I, I literally lived at the living rooms I, I went to every group I had one-to-ones with D I actually started to enjoy going there not not just for recovery but for friendship as well and and yeah. you know that was so so important to me that certainly sounds like um, the living room was a vital lifeline for you mm-hmm. at that mm-hmm. time in your life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so as well as as attending the the living room um I did then also go to a a rehab for a second time. This was a a much longer period than the first experience I had. And it was it was a very grounding experience. I I met lots of different types of people there with, with different addictions. But just being removed away from my family for that length of time, I was given the ability really just to focus on myself very early on, really, in in my recovery. And um you know, that was quite a crucial thing that I had to do. So it, it was a very important part of my recovery. But the whole time I was there, 
I was still very much in contact with the living room. So so I would speak to Dee on regular one-to-ones still with her. And yeah, you know, I, I came out of rehab still very, very scared. <laughs> but it was so good to have somewhere to go when I came out. And of course, the place that I came back to um, was the living rooms. And, and they were there for me you know, from from the moment I walked back through the door, you know, it was like I'd never been away. And they've been a constant guidance for me, you know, through throughout my recovery and, and still still are. So it sounds like that consistency was what you really needed coming straight from rehab into the living room again, feeling like you're coming back home, really. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Fantastic. Let's listen now to your penultimate song, Julie, which is Mustang Sally by The Commitments, another favourite of mine. Mustang Sally Guess you better slow than Mustang
that was Mustan Sally by The Commitments. You're still listening to Recovery Now Radio, coming to you from the living room and at Veriad. I'm the presenter and my name is Joe, and we're speaking with Julie today. So Julie, we've heard about your time at the living room and your time in rehab and what that did for you. Can you tell me what lessons recovery has taught you? Yeah, the lessons I've learned about recovery um, is that it, it definitely takes time. It's it's not something that you get overnight. I'm six years in March sober and I'm still learning. I learn something new every day. And, and that's what keeps me wanting to know more about recovery and wanting to be there in recovery. I, I you know, I still go to lots of groups. I, I get an awful lot of support. They are the backbone of my recovery. You know, understanding about my higher power, it took a long time for me to 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 get that and understand it. Um, and now I have it in my life and it has made such a difference. You know, living with the 12 steps, I've, I've done them several times. I wasn't somebody that did it once and understood it. I had to do it several times and I redo steps all the time. And I've sponsored somebody and I get as much out of being a sponsor and, and learning from sharing my experiences with my sponsee and I, as, as they, they get from listening to me, being a sponsor, if you see what I mean. Um, it's, it's a very, very two, two-way relationship that, that, that I have. And, um, you know, I'm very grateful for, for that. And it's, it's just, it's the ripples of recovery as well. You know, that the, the way I see my recovery has benefited my family, you know, is, is just being immense. I have just the best relationship with, with the boys now, with my granddaughter, certainly with my husband, you know, it's, it's made such a massive, massive change in my life. I, I just, I just can't thank the living room enough, really, for everything that they've they've given me and, and supported me with. I've also learned to understand myself. I've learned to be kind to myself. I've learned to love myself. All these things I, I never I never did before. And, and I can do them now. Oh, thank you, Julie. That that's a perfect end to a very inspirational and powerful story that you've told us today. And I know you feel like you've got a lot to be grateful for having the living room and adverias in your life, but I'm sure the living room and adverias are very, very grateful to have you in theirs also. And finally, before we go to Julie's last song, I want to say thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in today and being with us. Thank you to the living room and adverias, and thank you very much, Julie. It's been my pleasure, Jo. Thank you. You're, you're very welcome. And now to play your final song, which is very apt, it's Fix You by Sam Smith. When you try your best and you don't succeed When you get what you want but now what you need When you feel so tired But you can sleep Stuck in reverse When the tears come streaming Down your face Cause you lose something You can't replace 
love someone but it goes to waste what could be to fix you.